welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about Legacy of the Force, Book 8, Revelation, and... Oh, it didn't really squeak. Legacy of the Force, Book 9, the final chapters. My only hardcover. Invincible. That's what's up this week. But first, bum bum bum. Previously on Forever Canon, we finished Book Eight Revelation. Yeah, we did. And uh, that was like a fast read. Yeah. Compared to, I know. I think we said this like in the last uh, preview review. Compared to the Aaron Alston thirty-six chapter eight-week podcast, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like doing four at a time. This was 20, right? Yeah, this was 20 chapters. Yeah, bam! Five weeks. Done. <laughs> like, that's a drastic difference. Like, it's like, that's like 40% longer for us to cover an Aaron Alston book. Just, you know, based on the way that we do it and the way that he breaks his books up into excessive numbers of yeah. chapters. And this actually... Some I, of his chapters were two or three pages long. Yeah, I think this one's actually more pages, but... Like way less chapters, yeah, but they're all like twenty-ish page yeah. chapters. Like you said, forty percent longer yeah. per chapter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that was last week. This week we're gonna continue to talk about what we were just talking about, but in a broader sense. Yes. As we start with the galactic overview, and what the hell happened in this book? The battle at center point. To end the previous novel. And the consequent destruction thereof. Center point. Don't be fucking making face out Therein? No. The, the set destruction. The battle at center point and the consequent destruction thereof. Okay. Yeah. Fuck you. I just never. You never hear I took thereof. A, okay. You know what happened though? I took a weird pause. <laughs> okay. Is what happened. I broke that sentence up strangely. So don't make <laughs> eyebrows at me. And here we go. The battle at center point and the consequent <laughs> destruction thereof has heavily weakened the military might of both the GA and the Confederation. Joint Chief of State Jason Solo decides this is the time to strike at the enemy-generating shipyards of Fondor with the help of the heretofore absent Imperial Remnant. Apparently, I was feeling very fucking verbose when I wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) That's a thereof and a heretofore. Yeah. I... I had to fight to keep my face. I didn't even want to look at your stupid squinchy eyebrows. I knew, and then I said, "That's not a word." I said, "Squinchy." Heretofore absent Imperial Remnant and Gilad Pelion. Meanwhile, the other Joint Chief of State of the GA military has leaked the secret Fondor mission details to the Jedi in an effort to bring down the tyrant Jason Solo. Despite losing the element of surprise. Jason orders the GA fleet to carry on with its attack on the shipyards. And when that plan is thwarted by a Jedi-hidden Fondorian fleet, Jason chooses a new target. The capital city of the planet Fondor itself. Under fire and on fire, the planet surrenders at Chief of State Nyathal's request. But, as he is wont to do, Chief of State Solo ignores the surrender. Forcing the fracture of the general, general, the Galactic Alliance fleet and government, as well as the Imperial Remnant. He breaks two governments in one fell swoop. Pelion is killed, 
But his backup plan, Natasi Dalla, arrives at Fondor with a bizarre, unbeatable fleet. Driving Jason Solo and a remnant of the remnant away from Fondor. Giving us two new rearranged fleets and governments. The GA government in exile at Fondor with Nithal and Dalla. And Jason Solo plus his newly won moths back at Coruscant. As Darth Kytus prepares his final stand. Mm-hmm. Big changes in the galactic landscape. And a long monologue. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, he... What we've been seeing through the course of the whole series, starting at the very beginning with the cessation of, what are they called? Krillia. It was a slow fracture of this government. Mm. Like bits of and pieces of it falling off at the core and at the edges, right? I mean, I guess I mean that literally based on the star charts. Yes. But now it's like at the very end, heading into book nine, there's Jason breaks everything even more. Like, yeah. Wait, wait. He, he, there's two sides. There's the GA and the Confederation. When we start this book, the Imperial Remnant is out in space minding their own business. Yep. When we end this book, there is a GA government with an Imperial Remnant slice led by, like I said, Nithal and Dalla. Mm hmm. And then a GA government with a slice of the empire led by Jason Solo and the Moths. You know what has... And also still the Confederation. Yeah. They've be- the- who are not, sorry, not yeah. in league with Corellia anymore because they didn't let them play with Centerpoint. Yeah. So... And that's a, sorry, that's a faction. The Confederation, I was going to say, is a faction that's yeah. kind of went from... It was the two sides... They were like the they're star like, of the show. Now they're like smaller, like off to the side. It's become I've, with this book. It's become more of a civil war within the civil war. Yeah. Like now the war is within the GA government itself, not the parts breaking off of it and the GA government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they're fighting two civil wars on two different levels now by the end of this <laughs> book where like Jason has divided everybody in this grand effort to unify stability and peace to the galaxy right things have so sometimes you know you have to burn the forest for it to grow clean yeah you know as you do (laughs) on kashik this be some nicely nourished trees there after a few thousand years <laughs> of a few thousand years of being on fire because i don't know if that fire's ever gonna go out it's no. like it'll like sweep across the planet like a belt and yeah. then like the opposite side will regrow while the fire makes its way back <laughs> Still around, going around it just like it's just a it's cycle like ouroboros just <laughs> constantly feeding itself and eating its own tail yeah i don't know that's <laughs> off track anyhow that's what's happening in the galaxy at large but let's dig deeper into our characters. <laughs> Again, I took a characters. weird pause. Let's dig into our character. <laughs> what? Oh, I don't know why, but I'm taking weird pauses. Yeah. Get ready for this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Our first set of characters and a quick description. Han and Leia Solo. Ah. The Solo parents... Absentee Scout Edition. 
They're around at the beginning to hear Ben state his convictions that, you know, it wasn't a Lemurar that killed my mom. She's trying to kill you guys, not my mom. That doesn't make any sense. At the beginning of the book, he's like, hey, guys, I don't think it was a lemma. Hond is around to tell Jaina how to find Boba Fett, mm-hmm. which is essentially go to his planet. Great tip, Dad. Then they're gone for the rest of the book, scouting out a new location for the Jedi to hide. Yeah. At uh, the behest of Luke Skywalker. The only other time they're in the book is Leia is present when Ben finally says, yeah, they here's pop my back evidence. Yeah, at the end to hear and see Ben's final evidence. Yeah. Other other than that, they're they're gone. <laughs> my favorite moment? <laughs> of the three that they were in this book? <laughs> I liked when Leia gave Ben a hug and told him he did the right thing the right way. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're kind of final scene there. I liked all the times that... Jaina was thinking about her dad and Boba Fett. Ah. Did like two or three times where she was like. Han and Leia in the abstract. Yeah. <laughs> they were there in, in thought. I like that they did a wonderful job scouting at that new hiding place. Yes, wherever it may be in the unknown loca- unnamed location of the transitory mist. Yeah. Our second character. <laughs> yeah. Told you that was fast. Yeah, let's skip past them basically. Luke Skywalker, aka Grandmaster Redeemer. Air quotes. Attempted. He and Ben spend time growing closer together on Endor. Just before Luke heads to Fondor. Two different doors. <laughs> for his secret Jedi mission with Nihal's information. Where the Jedi hide a fleet and Luke tries to capture Jason in his ship. He damn near, <laughs> damn near accomplishes his goal. Busts his ship all apart with maybe the force, maybe his ship. Probably both. We'll see. <laughs> a little both. <laughs> you know, it's never nature or nurture. So he, he manages to uh, nearly capture Jason until he is, of course, forced to stop the chase due to his good guy status. Where Jason puts innocent people's lives in danger. And then Luke Skywalker, of course, won't continue to pursue him. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, you got me again, Jason. Just keep throwing those civilians uh, in the way. Human shields. Yeah. I don't know. What, what about this? What if Luke Skywalker wasn't a bitch? And what if he was like a bit ruthless? And he was like, yeah, all right, four people on this sky lane walk between these parts of the, you know, ship or whatever. But I'm going to stop Jason, so whap, 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 and, like, it's over, <laughs> yeah, you know? it would have been done. And then, like, have a press conference, you know, where he's, like, legitimately upset and, like, crying tears streaming down his face. Like, a, it's horrible that those people had to die, but we saved the galaxy again. We fucking did it! Yeah. You know, like, uh what if the galaxy is much safer now that Jason's not in it? Just don't hate me, and nobody would, and it would be fine. And what if those other four people were gonna be super evil too? <laughs> because we talk about we this don't all know the time. they weren't. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. But he is a galactic hero because he blew up millions of people on the Death Star. Well, kind of, <laughs> right? He's a galactic hero because he killed the bad guys. But your point stands perfectly still, which is 
he did it by sacrificing a lot of degrees of innocent people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mostly people just following orders. But I guess that's why he won't now to any degree. He's like, I can't. I can't do that again. I can't. I can't kill Jason in his ship with a little kid in his ship. Ah. Oh, we've been here before already. Yeah. Like he they the three the three of them the two of them have had like five face to face or ship to ship showdowns mm-hmm. in these novels and every time luke just lets them get away yeah I, ready to kill him and then pulls back at the last jason second. has not once outmaneuvered him or outperformed him or beaten him no he has always been let go by luke skywalker yeah. grandmaster redeemer good guy status he spends the rest of the book, I don't know, <laughs> heading to that new secret place. He's floating around in space somewhere, uh, waiting to get a comm signal. Most of the time that he's in the book, he's gathering allies against Jason in secret. He's He's got all the Jedi already. He's got Nihethal in his back pocket now. And he even gets Fondor to allow the GA to set up an exile government on a planet that the other half of the GA just lit on fire. <laughs> you know, like Luke Skywalker. Smooth talking, but like, will he stop trying to capture Jason? Probably not. I think that's the whole point of our next character, but we'll get there. What was your favorite Luke Skywalker moment? I like, for me, for him, was when he leaves Ben in charge. He says, okay. Gives him that nice speech. Yeah, gives him a little speech. You're in charge. Get these people ready to go. And leaves Ben in charge of people like Jag and the other Jedi Masters. and Adults. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's 14. He leaves him in charge of 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, now, and older. Compare and contrast that to the kind of challenge that Jason was giving him. A challenge of isolation across the galaxy, doing a bad thing for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, he ends up coming across the care, taking care of a child. It's like a complete mirror image. Yeah. Like not mirror image, a complete opposite mm-hmm. where, you know, he's put in a position where he's surrounded by support, but he is in charge of all of these intelligent capable people yeah who are much older than him and much more experienced than him instead of being sent across the galaxy on a a, a mission of isolation with the goal of turning you to the dark side yep yeah i like that luke gave him the responsibility and trusted him to be in charge of everybody yeah Uh, my favorite moment was uh at the end the secret happy ending when he's like Mara comes to visit him in the tent and then Ben knows and he's crying and then just blah, blah, blah. You snuck a happy ending <laughs> into the end of book eight of nine. Yeah. That was slick. Every other ending has been fucking rough. Mm-hmm. From, from one all the way through seven. Yeah. The last epilogue, the two pages epilogue or three page epilogue of revelation was like an uplifting note that I don't know if it's supposed to be 
Is that is that supposed to be like a little taste of sweetness before you choke to death on the poison? <laughs> or is it supposed to be like a breath of fresh air that's coming through the storm that's about to pass? You know what I mean? Yeah. And two <laughs> two very different metaphors there, but yeah. nonetheless. I don't know. They both seem to work. They they I don't know. And there's there's just been it's good to have that scene in there. There's so much through all the other books like devastation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. darkness to literally it's a little bit of happiness that yeah. you need and Mara is literally light right now so there's some light at right. the end of the book like I said when we did the the last episode like I didn't know I needed that happy ending till I needed that happy ending so bad when yeah. it was happening it's like oh my god everything has been dreary mm-hmm. <laughs> gloomy bad newsy Speaking of dreary and gloomy, our next character formerly embodied those emotions wholeheartedly through her angst and hateful outward <laughs> presence. Jaina Solo, a.k.a. the Mandoist Sword of the Jedi. First note, first question. Is this Jaina's book? Uh yeah. yeah. Starting with her in the prologue, yeah. remembering what Jason used to be like when he was young and what happened to him with the Vong and stuff. She dominates most of the pages. Yeah, I would definitely. This is this is her biggest growth and like and just page even count. page time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is the, for sure the most page time screen time that she's had in the whole series. Well, every other review episode we've been bitching that she hasn't been in it. And why have we been bitching about that? Because look at the fucking cover of the next book. Yeah. And she only gets this book to set her up for that. Mm-hmm. When you could have been having her way more involved in Jason's story all this time. Yeah. We already know coming into this series that they're distant from each other since the end of the Yuzhan Vong War. We've had the Darkness trilogy. Yep. We already know that they're distant from each other. Have that for one or two books. And then have a lot of conflict of the two of them refusing to see each other's way. It happens once or twice. You know, they're flying that mission together. At at the beginning of the war, she refuses to open fire. And maybe one other time where Jaina, like, sees him in person and says something to his face yeah yeah they're, they're like in the mess hall or something of the barracks or something yeah some something like that. and she says and something she's like to what's him. wrong with you lately yeah like, yeah basically that's yeah. basically it right yeah no man judging by the, the cover of the next book that we're going to talk about shortly she needed to be in a lot more pages yeah absolutely and she finally gets that in this book from the from the very beginning, from the prologue. And even in that prologue, she tells us exactly what's going to happen in this book. It's pretty simple, and it's only two facts. But she's thinking about what she has to do. And she says, Fett's got to teach me to kill Jedi. Check. Mm-hmm. And Jason is too cocky not to overestimate himself. A check <laughs> Which, you know, that's that's a given. It's been happening every book. Yeah. Since 
God, he was getting away with everything in the first two books, you know, and then and then things started kind of unraveling before Lumaya died. But at at whatever point, at whatever point it was that Mara started getting hit, catching his scent. Oh, oh, when uh, when Lumaya and him were having that meeting in the fucking garden, they they fucked up, and Tracina Lobi was catching them and recording them, and they had to cut her head off. Yeah, Lumaya and Alemarar ended up having to cut her head off. That was the first mistake, and that was maybe book three, maybe book two, late mid book two or something. Like yeah, that. book two, I think. But early on, he's just getting away with everything. You know, yeah. he's erasing memories. Fine, murder and Jedi Knights. Fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody suspects anything other than. Gee, Jason's really being overly involved in the politics of the war here, and now he's the head of the secret police and whatever. And he's always been even. Even not in this book series, but go back to the to the Vong War. He was always a not. He was the most competent of the omni competent. Yeah, he, and he was a little <laughs> you know? full of himself even then. Yeah, which is something we talked about from the beginning of this podcast. Is like he's always hey, been the, awesome. <laughs> all of the Jedi are so conceited, yes, and confident in their abilities because how could you not be? You're the one with magic powers in a universe that has regular people. Muggles, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. You're Harry Potter. Okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm better than you. I'm sorry I am. Yeah. I didn't make my midichlorians. No. But I... here they are. You know, like, that's, I mean, anyways. He's going to be too cocky not to overestimate himself. And that's pretty much what happens in the book. You know, the first half of the book focuses more on Boba Fett and her. And they're beginning this relationship of, of student teacher, mm-hmm. master apprentice. And the second half, you know, weighs heavily on that, but focuses more on Jason overestimating himself, being overconfident and suffering the fucking consequences of that. Yeah. You know, we can talk about it more when it's Jason. Yes. Character profile, but like. He just thinks he's going to be able to manipulate everybody into doing what he wants, either through the force or through bribes or offers or, you know, like to the moths and yeah, stuff like changing that. the laws or, or whatever or he has sending to do. A, a sending an assassin along to hang out on the ship. He thinks he just can do whatever he wants and get away with whatever he wants. right? Mm-hmm. But Jaina thinks otherwise right in the prologue and she lets us know it. So she leaves her lust toads behind on Endor and heads to Mandalore. All the doors, all the lores. All the motherfucking whores to knock on Boba Fett's front door, asking for his help to kill her brother. You wanted to say brother, didn't you? I want. I almost did, and then I was like, "No, that's stupid." And then I realized I already almost did. I should have just <laughs> should have just done committed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, son of a bitch! Because I, I didn't mean to say four like that. I just was already in the in the gun. Yeah, you. You're on a roll. This is a study of public speaking, ladies and gentlemen, and how difficult it is, even when it's your own script that you just wrote yesterday. Now, here's the thing. She is a complicated woman. And it's not exactly a simple relationship that she's walking into here with Boba Fett. No. As we know. We've seen the movies. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. Episode 5. Boba Fett catches Han Solo and freezes his ass in carbonite for Darth Vader. <laughs> Begin complicated relationship. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Episode six, 
Han Solo blindly, and I think I hate that scene where he just where Boba Fett is just so fucking uh, yeah. Uh, Un, unwittingly unconscious of his surroundings like I don't I don't know what's happening around me at all even though I have 360 degree vision in my hood some dude hits me in the back with a pipe my jetpack flies okay anyways complicated history between the Fets yeah. and the Solos okay it helps I hate that scene too it just you know something about okay there's something about episode 4 and I'm just talking about the acting where or maybe it's the editing or maybe it's the directing I don't know right but something comes through in episode four of innocence in the characters where they're all like, gee whiz, even Han Solo to a certain level, even Leia to a certain level where they're all like, we're in over our heads, but we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then episode five has this way more serious tone of like, we're all mature and aware of the consequences and risks now. And things go badly for us once we understand what we've gotten ourselves into. And then episode six comes back to silly time. Mm-hmm. You know, the Darth Vader and the Luke stuff is really emotionally tight. It's mm-hmm. really, really good. But the Han and Leia thing is weird. The Han and Boba Fett thing is weird. Lando is weird. The Ewoks are weird. Yep. It's all fun, and I love it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But tonally, to just, I don't know. Yeah, know. there's a lot of sharp contrast. In, but at the same that. time, like we talked about with the books, like each book has to have a beginning, its own beginning and its own ending. Same thing with the whole series and that whole trilogy of movies. You have to end with a teddy bear party in the forest, man. You can't end on dour, demure sadness about the the moral intensity of what you've just yeah. done. It's got to be fucking robots and teddy bears in the forest having a tiki torch party. Okay? It fucking has to be. You've never explained it quite like that before. I've never explained anything so well in my life. But it's perfect. <laughs> Hot shit. Was that ever correct? So, back to Jane Solo. She's asking Boba Fett, please teach me how to catch my brother. Remember, catch my brother. Mm-hmm. Even though she had resolved in the previous book to everybody decided Jason Solo must die. Back around to you, I'm going to catch my brother. That's fine. You can waver on your emotions for your twin. You know? Yeah. I'll allow that. Boba Fett, on the other hand, understands a serious paycheck when he sees one. And though he doesn't charge Jane any money, he gets a lot out of her. And, uh, you know, he has her, like, working on ships and stuff like that. But she ends up finding a Jedi healer for his Carbonite Frozen ex-wife. She ends up helping him out pretty solidly on the Bloodfin when they're doing their, their, their raid for Dala. Mm-hmm. And she ends up, I don't know, like, being a, a bit of glue that helps stick Boba Fett back to Mandalore and, and his family specifically. You know? Yeah. Like she, not purposely, but her presence there and like his acceptance of her does a lot for him. And I think he gets a little perverse pleasure out of training Han's kid to kill the other kid. See, I don't think so. Cause I think they specifically say it's not like that. He specifically says it's not like that. He's like, he says something about like a lesser man might 
Yeah. I think, you know what I mean? I don't, I think Boba Fett is above that kind of pettiness. Like, you know, like that's his character, right? Yeah. He's never, he's never like petty. He won't even go murder Jason Solo for killing his daughter. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. And I do think they specifically say like, oh, it's not just because it's my, what a good way to get, to get a one up on Han Solo type of thing. I know what you're saying, but I just think he's just not, he's at a different point right now in the story, like in his character. I actually forgot about that specific line. So yes, you are (laughs) correct. (laughs) uh, I'm going to scrunch my eyebrows at you. Yeah. (laughs) How do you like that? No, but I know what you're saying though. Like that would be. Maybe even subconsciously, even though he thinks he's not enjoying that aspect of it. Maybe he is. He know? could be. Right. Maybe. But, I don't know. We can't speculate on the subconscious. We can only read the text. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. What do you mean? We, we've we only been speculating on eight whole books so far. So, Jaina stays on Mandalore for a while with Boba Fett and company. And this is her spiritual journey. This is her answer to Jason's eight-year force trip. Where yeah. he learned all the special magic things that nobody else knows that gives him power over the people he needs to defeat. She's going somewhere nobody else has ever gone to train to get the special powers that allow her to defeat the evil. It's, it's like it's sort of the same thing, except yeah. she's there for like two weeks. Yeah, yeah, she's not there for very long. <laughs> Jason traveled the galaxy for eight years or some shit like that, six years or something. He was gone for a while. She's a quick learner. <laughs> it's easier to learn when you're 32, I guess, or 30. I think they're 32. Yeah, I think they are. Which makes it so weird, though. <laughs> we picked these books up when we were 31, and now we finish them off. No, wait. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, now finishing them off at halfway through 32. Anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. Speak for yourself. I'm only like a third of the way through. <laughs> you're right. Excuse me. <laughs> Two and a half whole fucking months behind me. <laughs> now, what does Jaina... Fett Solo learn from all of her time on Mandalore. She uses watching Boba Fett and getting to know Boba Fett and his dysfunctional family and weird warrior poet culture where they're all like, be the sword and the pen. You know, all that kind of jazz. She learns the lessons she believes will give her the power to stop Jason. Lessons like commit to the kill. Lessons like stop playing by the rules. Lessons like be honest. Lessons like be disciplined. Mm -hmm. Lessons like abandon a Jedi order (laughs) that, that, that chooses to use Clones for their own benefit and devalues human life just to accomplish goals. And the most important lesson that sometimes you have to kill out of love for what you're killing. Mm -hmm. She learns a billion and one things that open up her perspective in critical ways. You can't run from your problems forever. This is something shown to her through Boba Fett, right? Family is the responsibility of family. You can't just turn your back to the problems and expect them to solve themselves. Did she need to go to Mandalore to learn these simple fucking things? No, probably not all of them. Let me just one more time re-quick cap 
Well, the one was be honest. Yep. <laughs> Commit to the kill. Don't play by the rules. Be honest. Be disciplined. Like. Well, the first two, maybe she had to go there to learn. Really? You couldn't sit. J- fucking Jag told her that. You think like a Jedi. Stop playing by the rules. Like when he was wearing, when he was pretending to be Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. This was all foreshadowed. All the things she was going to learn from the real Mandalorian <laughs> armor was taught to her by Jag pretending to be her brother. Her brother. Yes, wearing all the Beskar stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, yeah. Did she really need to go all the way to Mandalore to Boba Fett to learn that? To, to learn that family is, is hard and that you can't run from your problems. It's your mess. Clean it up. Like, remember that, like, really just simple, neat Mando Boba Fett advice? Yeah. Really? Yeah, probably should have figured most of it, most of it out just through simple growth. I like, just, I, I just life. think, like, it bothers me. It bothers me that these are, I'm going to say it, revelations to her. Because the book is as much her revelation as it is Jason's. Mm -hmm. She's not revealing anything. Everything is being revealed to her. You know, she even has a moment of epiphany where she's like, oh my God, maybe I want to have babies with Jag. Just from spending time with Boba Fett's family and the Mandalorian culture of we are all family... Mm-hmm. This dysfunctional latchkey Jedi baby whose parents have never been around apparently needed to go to the warrior nomad culture to learn how to kill her family and love it at the same time. Yeah, to learn what family is really about, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. What is Jaina doing in this book? The uh, based on what she says in the prologue, uh, 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 <laughs> her like uh, she wants to learn how to kill a Jedi from the man who's killed famously Jedi's. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. He doesn't teach her any special combat stuff. No, they teach her to go crazy. Yeah, they teach her rage mode. And that wasn't even and, that, that wasn't even Boba Fett. And and what else? That's the only technique she learned. I'm shrugging my shoulders really high right now. Yeah, there. I, I almost can't hear. <laughs> sir, up my earlobes. I just don't think she learned as much as we're being led to believe. Like I think, you know. Like I think I think this has less depth than we're being told it does. Yeah, and then that I really thought there was because a lot of the stuff that's on with Boba Fett and with Jaina has to do with Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. It's all heavy for him. Yeah. Yeah. And she is just kind of the the dream catcher, catching all the the important information that's being passed by her. Yeah, she's just paying yeah. attention, kind of, to the and things going on around her. And then until she goes out and talks to that Jedi out in uh, at the Jedi Mandalorian at the end. Yep. And 
he tells her some simple fucking parable about had to kill a rabid hunting dog because it was hurting other people and it was in pain itself. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just looking through at it through the woke-ass lens of 2019 instead of 2008, 2000 and late. But, like, isn't that common sense? Now it is, I guess. Right? Yeah. Like, people that act out are in pain themselves. People who hurt are hurting. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's common sense now. And uh, it's was a giant revelation to this Jedi warrior, 32 year old Jedi warrior. (laughs) I'm very skeptical about the actual emotional depth of this. And I I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean that I'm saying that having sat down to write a couple paragraphs about Jaina solo and what her journey was in this book. Yeah. Because reading through the book, I was like, this is amazing. I love this is great. She's great. I love what's happening. But then sitting down to, to write, try to write a couple paragraphs about it, I'm like, is there any actual substance here? She she like went and made friends. She went and had like a fucking camp bonding trip. Yeah. And she learned to go hard and not quit. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. You've been trained as a Jedi all your life. I didn't realize. And don't that there swing was your sword like a fucking lightsaber. I didn't realize that there was nothing until you just brought it up because I thought the same thing you did. I was like, maybe she's I got just, a lot going on. Maybe I'm wrong though, yeah. right? I could be wrong. Well, we're agreeing. But yeah, well, okay, we could both be wrong. <laughs> we've no. been that. We've done that before. <laughs> we have. But <laughs> I just feel like trying to pick it apart. Okay, like Jaina is feeling desperate when she goes to Mandalore to get Boba Fett's help. It's like the the last thing she could think to do to solve this problem of her fucking murderer brother. But by the time she's at the end of this journey, all she has really experienced along the way is a hardworking hard what are the, what are they what does she call it specifically um she says that they uh god they were ruthless and violent lovers and warriors or something like that mm-hmm. like they love as hard as they fight okay that's what she learned yeah was that Boba Fett trying to run from his entire past all of his life catches up to him at the end of his life. And so it would have been better for him to deal with his problem at 32 when his brother was taking over the galaxy. Yeah. Maybe that's, you know, like maybe that's her. (coughs) It's not so much all the learning that she was supposed to do. It's the, uh, just the, okay. The commitment that she's going to have to kill him now rather than the flip-floppy back and forth like she's been doing. Yeah, but we already had that commitment at the end of the last, for sure, two or three books. But at the beginning, you know I mean? she wasn't. That, is, that, is that in character, or is that forced upon the character by the dynamics of a novel? Mm-hmm. Like like the structure of a story, like we were talking about already earlier. Yeah. The beginning of the book has to, you know, has to allow for the movement to the end of the book. 
in a nine book series, you can't just go from fucking 1% to 100% and a steady slope. And so is it genuine when these characters, because none of them are ever like, okay, for example, okay, at the end of the last book, I'm resolved to kill Jason Solo. At the beginning of the next book, I'm not. But I don't reflect on how I just was ready to kill him and that now I'm not. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's, there's no it's thought. like Jason Solo just had that lightsaber, I guess. There's no bridge in between the, him losing a lightsaber and then now having a different one mm-hmm. before building his own. It's just I was ready to kill him and now I'm not with no acknowledgement in between. So how far did she really walk in this book? Emotionally. Yeah. She made friends with Mertegev, who then at the end of the book tested her resolve again and said, Hey, I, I almost I almost killed my grandpa and I really wanted to at the time and I thought I would never have regretted it. And now I would have regretted it. Yeah, she says don't do it. Don't kill your brother. Maybe don't. She says maybe yeah. don't. So what is this is this supposed to just be Cementing the fact that it's Jaina's responsibility, that her brother is her responsibility, like Boba Fett is Myrta's responsibility, like Sintus Vell is Boba and Myrta's responsibility, you know? I don't know. I, I, I... Karen really, really loves Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. And they're cool. But I am struggling to see the true depth of purpose that they served in this book like no they really for Jaina to grow whatever skills she thought she you're gonna go there for two weeks and learn some magic trick even in the first place what is your plan Jaina <laughs> you know like Baveen says to her yeah what how are you gonna catch him it's way harder to catch somebody than it is to fucking kill them by surprise yeah but you're not committed to doing that, and that was part of the lesson and stuff. But, like, is it the same lesson that Jason should be learning? How are you going to win this war? Like, what is your plan? What is your plan? Yeah, I th- they're both being taught similar lessons, similar lessons at, the s- like at the same time. Where the Jedi guy at the end of the book tells her, like, you know, explicitly, like, it's not time to worry about your feelings about whether or not you're doing the right thing. Sort your feelings out after. Save yeah. the galaxy now. Which is like his whole motto with his Sith ascendancy. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I'll worry about justifying my actions later. Right now I'm going to bring the galaxy to peace. You know? I don't know. I'm confused. But that was Jaina Solo. <laughs> In Legacy of the Force, Book 8, Revelation, man. What was your favorite moment? I like when she's getting her ass kicked by Bavine when he goes crazy. I like that, and I like that even though she's got the Force, it's such a shock to her that she doesn't think to use it immediately. Again, another thing that just kind of rings hollow. For somebody who's been in so many life and death situations, a man beating her with a stick is shocking to her that he wouldn't stop. I think it's that he goes from being the the Bavine that's the family guy to all of a sudden, it, what she said, 
the one it could be read in a word end or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. That he went from talking to her and then said, "Okay, shut it all off in kill mode." I think maybe that's. But you've never seen that before. You fought an army of bugs. You fought an extra galactic army of self-torturing warrior, god worshipping, war worshipping, violence worshipping, murder beasts. <laughs> You've never seen that kind of commitment to killing before? A man with a broomstick on top of you? Oh, maybe I just like Bavine more in that moment then. I like him a lot. But like, I kind of, this is pissing me off. Yeah. She seemed to learn a lot of fucking superficial shit here. Yeah. Like, superficial in the sense that these should be obvious things to a 32-year-old warrior. Yeah. She's who has been in life and death situations all their life. And not yet death. You watched your own brother blow himself up with the force to save everybody. You've seen somebody go full ham. I, I, my favorite moment was when her and Boba Fett squared off with lightsabers and then didn't fight each other with lightsabers. Next character. Ben Skywalker. He never disappoints. Smiles since Kavan. Grandmaster in training. And at the beginning of the book, Detective Ben is on the case of the murdered mother. Alema being the killer hasn't settled quite true for him. And perhaps partly due to Ben's, quote, absolutely all-consuming need to destroy Jason... He breaks into Shibu's home and signs him up for a secret evidence spy search team. Almost gets killed in the process. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you break into the secret police house. <laughs> Likely to get your face shot off. Ben and Shibu head back into the caves of Kavan, where Ben's persistence and belief is rewarded. Force ghost Mara shows up, pulling strands of hair from her head. Super charades. He gets the chance to tell her I love you one more time before examining Jason's stealth axe back on Coruscant where his persistence is rewarded once more with a strand of hair from Jason's cockpit. Jumping to Endor, Ben gets so much love and support and confidence from his dad that you just ball your face off. Mm -hmm. and they're bonding as family and understanding each other as equals. It's neat. It's so beautiful right now. And I wasn't joking last episode when I was like, Ben is the best part of the EU that we're never going to get to know enough about. We got lots of books about everybody else. This is Ben's first real series that he's involved. Yeah. He's on the periphery of NJO as either pregnant in Mara's belly or yeah. <laughs> hidden away as a baby. And then I, I don't remember him in the Dark Nest trilogy. So I think he's only like seven or eight. Yeah, he's not like really that. in it. So... He's the truest loss of, of the goddamn expanded universe. I'll tell you that in preparation for the next series. So, back on Endor, as we talked about in the Luke Skywalker segment, Ben is left in charge of coordinating the Jedi exit from Endor. Meanwhile, the hair he found in the cockpit of Jason's X-Wing, Stealth X, matches Mara's hair, her DNA. Her profile. And Shivu 
secretly records Jason's confession to her murder. And now, having solved the mystery, Ben takes on the terrible task of telling his whole family that Jason Solo murdered Mara Skywalker. 14 years old. And I have to tell you, my cousin killed my mom. And it might be justifiable self-defense. Yes. So it may not be murder. It may be just that that's how she died. But the evidence is not supporting cold-blooded killer. No. And that's tough. But he trusted his instincts. And with a lot of help from the ghost community, specifically the victim herself, he has solved his mom's murder. Now, obviously this was very important to him. Yeah. For obvious reasons. But why? Okay. Now, I say that sounds stupid after I say for obvious reasons, but what was like the main motivating factor? Was it justice? No, because he says he was never going to try to arrest him. Mm-hmm. Was it closure? Maybe because Maybe. he's the only one that believes it and he wants everyone else to believe it too and they don't and he's going to have to convince them. So gather the evidence, get the closure. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or is it? to justify his all-consuming rage and want to destroy Jason Solo. If I prove that he killed my mom, it's okay to hate his guts. Even though, you know, he already did enough bad stuff to justify that. But, like, Based on what Ben tells us he's feeling at the beginning of the book, which yeah. is he wants to kill him every second of the day. Mm-hmm. Is this search for evidence and search for the answer really about the answer? Or is it about justifying the horrible hate that you feel inside yourself? I think that's how it starts. <clears throat> and I think it progresses to just wanting to find the truth, find the answer. Yeah. It, it starts as I want to screw this guy. Right. And then it ends up being he's a cop finding the truth. Well, and once... More growth for Ben. Once they... Uh, I mean, once she was on the team and they go to Kavan and... I mean, it's pretty hard to fuck up the investigation when the murder victim comes back from the afterlife and tells you what happened. Yeah. With, you know, forced charades, but... Yeah, I just, I just wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That Jason killed his mom. And is he going to, you know, is he going to justify his hate and hang on to it? (laughs) Or is he going to use that to let go of it? Moving forward, I guess that's the question for Ben, right? Yeah. How are you ultimately going to process the murder of your mother by your cousin? Is it going to be, is it going to be, you know, a, a dark hatred inside of you? Or is the answer, is the, will the truth set you free? <laughs> I don't know. It's something that we're going to find out moving forward, though, I bet. Because Ben is a goddamn wise genius. But he's also filled with fury. He was on the cover of that book. Yes, he was. <laughs> I don't know how this discovery is going to affect his decisions moving forward with 
I don't know. Like, what is he doing? I guess he's officially Luke's apprentice, right? Yeah. But like, I don't know, man. Although not by the end of the book, he's not. Well, what do you mean? Why not? Because he says it's time for you to build your own lightsaber. Well, sure. That means you're a knight now. You're no longer an apprentice. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Once you build your own lightsaber? I don't think so. I think you can do it at different points during the training. Well, because he says he didn't, he didn't, he's, what, I don't have to go through the trials? Did he say that? I don't yeah. remember that. Either way, he hasn't built it yet, so no. you <laughs> crinkle my eyebrows at you, sir. <laughs> you might be right, though, because, uh, you know, in this newfangled galaxy, there ain't no time for trials. No, he's already been trialed, and and really, where they where they going to hold these trials? They can't do them on court. He on was, course, he huh? was already tortured by a Sith and escaped. Yeah, give him a lightsaber. <laughs> give this man his knighthood. Don't leave him off the council or some shit. <laughs> We're gonna go fucking dark side south real quick. I don't know. But the worst part about all this is that ultimately he discovers that his mom died protecting him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't listening to his parents. He wasn't listening to reason. He was ignoring red flags about Jason, and it got his mom killed. That's fucking heavy to hold that 14, man. Yeah. So, what's your favorite moment of Ben Skywalker and Legacy of the Force book at Revelation? Uh, my favorite part for Ben is your favorite part for Luke. I like the end where he's just sitting there. He wants to go and bitch. And then he leaves it. He's like, no, this is dad's time. That's what I wrote. Happy crying for his dad. Yeah. Oh, that sneaky happy ending. Yeah. That's fucking good. All right. Hey, this is one of the first times we've ever agreed on a character favorite part. You've stolen one of mine before. I think there was a couple times where I, there was a couple times where I knew you were going to steal it. So I pre stole it. From you. (laughs) But now we come to the man of the hour, the face of the series. And the book. Yellow eyes and red lightsaber and all. Yeah. Jason Solo, a.k.a. Darth Kytus, secret Sith Lord of telling all the secrets. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) Focused on winning the war at the beginning of the book. And not unre-kidnapping his daughter, who he doesn't even mention thinking about for a while. Jason is making deals to gain more military help. In the wake of Centerpoint, all the armies have been reduced, and the Confederation has shipyards at Fondor that are pumping out tons of enemies. So Jason needs to offer the Imperials planets to help take Fondor. <laughs> Here, you can have these two that I don't really want. He needs to make another, <clears throat> finger quotes, example of Fondor. <clears throat> and he refuses to realize he's repeating the same mistakes. He's also got a VIP apprentice to train, so he forces her into the military. Gives her a, what do you call that? Con, con gives her a commission in the military. Yeah. She's ranked. And then he forces her to blow up some fighters from the capital ship to learn about war. Doesn't he make her, like, lieutenant right away or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, got to replace one. (laughs) 
The other one's got a cracky neck. <laughs> she won't be reporting to the bridge anytime soon. No. Oh, yeah. And he tells Nithal he's a Sith. Ah, too cocky, maybe? Yeah. He also can't find the Jedi. Big galaxy, bro? Also, all of his plans at Fondor go completely balls up. And he decides to take a fighter out to the front lines to boost morale. That's how I used to do this. That's how people used to like me. I was doing the right thing in the right place for the right reasons. I'm going to go do that. So he goes out there where he is promptly tricked by Luke Skywalker and nearly captured. Which is weird when you think about it because Jason Solo knows that he could sense Luke coming a thousand miles away. So (laughs) it's really strange how that just happened. A little too cocky, maybe? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Jason manages to save face with a crash landing and a few jokes. Thus solidifying his power on Coruscant. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately, yes. Yeah. Jason, a.k.a. Kydus, is no mundane being. If you remember that from the text. Yep. When the second plan at Fondor goes wrong, he actually pulls off an incredible magic trick. Yep. And what he does with the Force is pretty amazing. He... Shuts the... From thousands of kilometers above the planet invades the minds of the workers who run the planetary shield and he gets them to shut it off. <laughs> yeah, by pretending to be the Fondor fleet yep. saying, the battle's over, we're battle's coming over. home. We're coming back home, open the door. <laughs> and they do. And they open the door. <laughs> and he shoots the fuck out of them. Lights the cities of Fondor on fire. And this dude is so powerful. Mm-hmm. But don't forget, literally every time we see him versus Luke, Luke fucking dominates him. Oh, every time. I don't mean beats him by a hair. Smushes him in his chair. That's our favorite breaks part. Breaks off pieces of his ship and crushes him chest first into the dashboard. Rescues his son from a torture machine and leaves you for dead, stabbed in the back on the floor of your own ship and takes your toy lightsaber away. He fucking dominates Jason every time he takes the slightest offense towards him. He's not been outmaneuvered by Jason once. He's not been overpowered by Jason once. No. He's been outpaced by Jason because Jason started this fucking race way before Luke got out of bed. Yeah. You know? I'm God. At the beginning of this book. Literally. Not even figuratively. But... Every time we see them, Jason is the one who narrowly escapes. Mm-hmm. And so as much as we see him do all these like incredibly powerful and like wondrous, like amazing things with the force, Luke Skywalker smashes his ass to the floor in a fucking heartbeat anytime he wants to. <laughs> yeah. And Jason can't do anything about it, he said in that moment, right? Like, yeah. Because even when when Luke smashed him to the in like left him prone on the ground. Yeah. Luke was like off ship before he could finally get up. Yep. (laughs) So who is stronger and who has better tricks? Yeah. I would say 
Luke is definitely stronger, but has the not will has the to not use those powers all the time. Sure, sure. sure. What's the, the discipline? Yes, there it is. <laughs> that Jaina went to go learn about on Mandalore that Jason doesn't have because he's way too cocky. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's the most powerful guy in the galaxy, even after having it proven to him that he's wrong several times. Yeah, like, half a dozen times in the last. Mara six almost months. fucking killed him. And yeah. he knew she was coming. And he was trying to trap her in the caves on the way through. And she, she almost killed him. And she, she only, is not Luke Skywalker. No, and she only lost out of just luck, basically, that he had that poison dart ready to go. Just and, barely. Yeah. And <clears throat> honestly, I could have swore he was the baddest ass that yeah. ever badassed before reading these books. And then it's like. No, man, you're you're conflating the entire story of Jason because he's way more of a badass hero in the previous 17-ish books. <laughs> yeah. 20, 20-ish books, whatever. It it's is. a big series. Uh, big couple uh, series. Well, I think NJO was 17 and then the Dark Nest. And Dark Nest, yeah. But, like, in these books, he does really, really cool things with the Force, with the meditation power. Why is he not in the Sphere? Because he didn't want it. Yeah. Because he's too cocky. Yeah. I don't need it. Are you fucking kidding me? You don't consider how that might amplify your power? You don't consider like that would be like a, like a, like a, like a resonant feedback machine or something like Mm -hmm. for your evil. Well, isn't it the ship didn't even want to be Jason's partner or something? No, it would have. It didn't want a lemma, I think. But, like, ship's just gone. Those other Sith are just gone. Where is that dangling thread? Yeah. They just bounced. Everybody's just gone. Everybody's just running away. <clears throat> running, running away from the cocky, cocky Jason Solo. Sorry, Darth Kytus. Mm-hmm. Who, as he's attacking Fondor with the shields down, makes his fleet through the, through the, what was it? The force meld? The battle meditation. The battle meditation. Through the battle meditation, he makes his fleet psychotically violent <laughs> to the point where officers are apologizing to their own uh, soldiers a- after the battle, where they're like, oh, what the hell came over me type of thing. Psychotically violent as he ignores Fondor's surrender and Nihethal relieving him of, of duty. I'm just going to go ahead and ignore anybody who tells me no. Yeah, I'm just going to do what I want. Don't sorry, tell me no. Sorry, you said stop shooting? I'm already shooting. So that's a no? So that means no. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Don't command the ships? I'm already doing that. So that's another no. Mm. You know. I don't know. Is he as petty and like childish as I'm playing him off in that voice? I don't think so, but... I also do think so. <laughs> yeah, you're not far off. I don't think I'm very far off. I think you're kind of right. Now, the thing here is that he'd have won here at Fondor had he not underestimated Gilad Pelion. Yeah. Thinking he's a 92-year-old fucker and I can just get the moths to take over power after I murder his ass. Underestimated Gil having a backup plan. Of Dalla's secret unbeatable fleet with all of her whack load of weird ass weapons. <laughs> Face shifting 
diamonds to dust type of fucking Thanos snapping yeah, the, the, weapons. Uh, that's how we described it last time. He left Tahiri with Gil, and after killing him, she can't escape. Also tells Tahiri his secret. I'm a Sith. Yeah. Call me my lord. Yeah, call me my lord. And Darth Cadus from here on out. Well, Darth Cadus turns this lost mess into a race to Coruscant in an effort to hang on to the fractured power between he and Nihethal. But first, he must rescue Tahiri because she's very important. You hated this. I want to. I want to sit in that space <laughs> just to let that fucking ring. He also needs to apparently risk his life and narrowly escape Mando crush death by the width of Boba Fett's orders. Yeah. Because had Boba Fett not told that guy to not shoot him, well, he wouldn't have shot him in the knee. Yeah, he, he would have shot him in the chest. Yeah, chest, face, any somewhere vital. And now, once again. How stupid is Jason Solo? He didn't think Mandalorians might be airtight. He needs to rescue Tahiri. He needs her badly. As a shitty bandage for his emotional wounds and failures. So I guess it's worth the risk. (laughs) He succeeds. He rescues her. And back on Coruscant a few days later, he starts replacing politicians with droids. He gets hurt feelings over a Holozine article and then casually confides to Captain Shivu that he killed Mara Jade Skywalker and is a Sith. Rev Alation! It's you too. <laughs> he's not just... and So now he's not just telling... Like, he's not telling... Just to hear you. Other bad guys. Well, he told first he told, he told Nyathal. The other president. You gotta keep my president secret. This oh, is yeah. our, this is secrets between presidents. You gotta keep my secret. And then he tells his bad guy sidekick. Mm-hmm. Who are you gonna tell? And then he tells a guy throughout the whole book who he's like I yeah. like this guy. He's loyal. I'm gonna give him some days off so that I don't wanna I understand that he hates my guts, but look at him doing his job so well. Yeah. Confides in him to him. I know he doesn't like me, but he's still here because he chose to be here. That he chose to be he there. He chose my side so that he could spy on you to ruin your life. And now you've uh, admitted to him that you killed Mara Jade Skywalker, but in such a way with corroborating evidence that there's reasonable doubt mm-hmm. to to the. Uh, the way that things went down. Yeah. To it actually being a murder. The motive and such. Just another of many, many, many mistakes. Born of his hubris and overconfidence. How much longer can he avoid the consequences of all these major malfunctions? Because he's been blowing it big time ever since Lumaya died. Like Alumna said he would. Like Lumaya knew he would. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Because she was telling him before because he was starting to go off the rails. And she was like, you better f- smarten up, buddy. Yeah. You're going to blow this whole show for us. Well, sure enough, he's been just making mistake after mistake, but running away from them. Like, look at every military engagement that he's led. What has he won? Yeah. Um... Centerpoint blew itself up. Um, 
the skeleton fleet that got the jump on him almost killed him. The uh, Bill Bringy, when they went there, they almost all died. Because Alema, they all, uh, Alema crashed a ship into that into the, thing, with the, the arboretum yeah. that they're all in. He almost died there. Uh, he almost died on Kavan. He has been making mistake after mistake after mistake and running away from it. Cut back to 15 minutes ago, me talking about Jaina Solo, watching Boba Fett, having to face 60 years of running away from his mistakes. 70 years of running away from his mistakes. Mm -hmm. Cut back to Jason Solo making all the mistakes and running and running and running and running every time. Every time. Yep. His daughter gets taken away from him, re-kidnapped, he runs away. Can't pursue them, there's no way to find them, run away. Set Kashyyyk on fire, you run away. Because he lost that too. Yeah, he did. The Hapens weren't joining him. He lost that battle too. So... Hit and run. Losing at Fondor, hit and run. You're losing at Bill Bringy, run for your life. You almost get murdered on Kavan, run for your life. Cover up your steps. You fucked up and killed Nalani in the basement of an asteroid. Mind yeah. wipe Ben, run away from that problem. He's been running away from mistake after mistake after mistake. Consequentially. Cons- what? <laughs> Sequentially. Yes. All of this time. And now at the end of book eight, he's run back to Coruscant to make his last stand. Yeah. Essentially. I got here first. Good luck taking it away from me now. Digging his heels in and trenching himself in Coruscant because that's the seat of power. Yep. He is telling everyone everything now, which at this point, that's not a loss to tell everybody you're a Sith. Half the people he tells don't even fucking react appropriately. No. Nyathal says almost nothing. Pelion says almost nothing. No. He she, doesn't tell him, but she does. And she was like, that's like a... That's like a bad Jedi. Bad Jedi, right? right? That's like a Jedi, but different, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like pretty different. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like I snap necks and throw people to the ground if they don't do what I say or do it right. Or do the right thing, but just has an unfortunate, unseen consequence. <laughs> yeah. He's fucking up. But he's barely thinking about his daughter, all this book. Whereas two or three previous books was all about her. Yeah, I think the only the only time I can readily recall is he brings up that he has to consciously not think about her keeping himself busy with paperwork and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's like jumping the stream instead of building the bridge. Show me the steps constantly of him ignoring thinking about a lemma, not once in 400 pages. How about four times? Yeah. That's not crazy. The guy probably had, if I'm thinking about my notes correctly, he probably had 25 scenes that were him. Mm-hmm. One time he thinks about his daughter that was the all-consuming concern of his life for the previous three books. One time. This is some loose shit. Mm-hmm. This is some diarrhea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> Gross. For real. I need way more of that angle of his emotional depth. If we're going to spend all that time being like that, this is the most important thing to save her because I'm saving the galaxy for her and I have to get her before anyone can take her away from me. And then when they take her away from you, you're like, Oh, better do some paperwork. Got to keep busy shuffling my hands. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, no, I agree with you. I know you do. Yeah. I just think, yeah. I think someone wanted to have a lot of Mando time because the Jaina time is more about Mando's than it is about Jaina. Absolutely. Often. So. Which I like Karen Travis's books. Uh, I like her as an author. I like what I know of her as a person. I'm just kind of disappointed with like these just thin emotional threads that should be thicker. Like if you're going to, unresolve yourself from killing your brother between the end of book seven and the beginning of book eight, build that bridge, man. Give me steps of saying, Oh, I I was really sure after the last incident that Jason would be irredeemable. But then I was reflecting on him as a kid in the prologue. Yeah. Thinking like, I can't, that's my brother. I can't, I can't just write him off as a lost cause. Oh, he needs a paragraph, really. And then at the end, when she's given the exact opposite message of kill the rabid dog because he's hurting too, then it can click in more authentically if she's spending time thinking throughout the book about how I can't just put down this this dog. I love him. Yeah. I just, I don't find that that, that text there, that context or subtext or text text. No, none of the text. <laughs> you know, it's Boba Fett crosses a thousand fucking emotional bridges. Yeah. Which is great. And it's a really cool story. But it's not the only thing that we need in those scenes. We need Jaina introspective reflection about her relationship with her brother. Mm-hmm. Not about, wow, Mandalorians are weird. <laughs> like, that's all she ever thinks. She doesn't really occasionally she thinks about, Oh, look at Boba Fett's family compared to my family. Like where she does contrast something. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, try to understand the quality of difference by comparing, but the rest of the time, she's just like, Oh, I didn't think Mandalorians would be nice to each other. Oh, I can't believe they're having a wedding. Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, oh. it's like, like she thinks like, they're not people. Like she's, yeah, she's just fucking culture shock the whole time. And, and like, I just think the relationship with her and Jason had to have been way thicker all the way through this. Not just this book. Yeah. But with this one having Jaina in it the most, mm-hmm. yeah, it would have been way, this would be the time to do it. But all through these books, this needed to be way thicker. Yeah. The question remains for Jason Solo. Regardless of your actions and your failures and your running away, how are you going to win this war? If you're going to bring peace to the galaxy, you're the new ascendant Sith Lord. You've saved your very important apprentice. And now you're going back to Coruscant to win the war. How? Yeah. What's what, next, pal? At what point does Corellia say, yes, sir, and fucking salute you? 
and do what you want. When you bomb them to oblivion, yeah, yeah, that's the point, right? That's his. That's gonna be where he goes with anything. Because mm-hmm. one time a lady on the phone told him no, and I he sent her to the fucking front line war or whatever. It was a, it was a dude who worked in the manufacturing yeah. department. Or yeah, in the in the like the uh, sending out all the packs and the all that stuff for one, the military. One person on the phone told him no, and he directly ruined five people's lives. Yeah, like just minimum. Never mind the fact that he changed a bunch of laws and then took over. And yeah. ruined way more lives but like off that direct incident he was like okay fuck you fuck you fuck you forever yeah he's like hey the one chick sh- sorry i was gonna say yeah. the one chick showed up to do him a favor or do a job for him or whatever hey no hyperdrive sabotaged left out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> fuck you forever yeah the i think for being well, that we saw at the beginning, Jason being a pretty smart guy. He's pretty smart. I know. But he's so Fucking dumb. dumb now. <laughs> he's so dumb. Which again. And throws tantrums like a child. That's what all the stuff is. Doesn't ring true to his character. But no. is that Jason Solo negative emotion focus versus Jason Solo positive emotion? Probably. Focus, right? It's like. Which it's, is it's all barely explainable, but it it should be way thicker. Yeah, that's the same reason why something doesn't go his way. He throws a tantrum and burns down a planet or blows up a city. Yeah, same idea. Every I have to make an example of everyone all the time. Yeah, where did he ever learn that? I don't know. His parents weren't around, so didn't learn from them. Well, he didn't learn it from the Jedi Academy. No. I doubt he learned it anywhere in the eight years. Did he learn it just from Verger and the Embrace of Pain? Is that it? You know what I mean? Where is all of this with me or against me mentality coming from for Jason Solo, who has not really ever acted like that until Corellia didn't give the right number of missiles to Coruscant? (laughs) What was the impetus for him being so fucking butthurt about that? in the first place that he involved himself. Why was he, why was he so? Yeah. I'm trying to find a true catalyst for it. And like in my head. Yeah. (laughs) And then, okay. And then, so then at the end of the first book, it comes around to you're told you're the chosen one. And there, here's this prophecy. It's about you. You're going to do great things and save the galaxy. Is that because Verger planted the seed of that so deeply when he was being tortured? And for like, however long? I guess we'll find out when we get to the other books. But yeah. I am having trouble with these characters' motivations sometimes. Okay, he's he wants the galaxy to be a better place for his daughter. He wants war to be done because he's sick of it all his life. So, I understand this book series is all about the slow fall, mm-hmm. right? From simple enforcing laws to tyranny. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you're not giving us the right number of missiles to war 
you're not doing what we say. We attack you now, <laughs> you know, all the way down to, I don't accept your surrender. I'm lighting you on fire. The cities. When yeah. He yeah, was yeah. there for the shipyards. I'm pointing to the floor and then the sky here. But. <laughs> so a lot of the emotions just thin. Mm-hmm. And maybe it wasn't when I was 20. Cause my emotions were thin. Yeah. So, you know, and these books aren't for 32 year olds, maybe. And they are for 20 year olds. Maybe. Yes. You know, young adult. But how are you going to win this war? What is your plan? What square on the board? Like, you know, let's have a 30 day, 30 point. Yeah. Save the company. Where do you see yourself what in is, five years? What what happens on day 30? Day 30. War one. What happens on day 29? Okay. Yeah. Day 30. Peace everywhere. What happened on day 29? Yeah. How did you do it? How are you going to do it? By making an example of everybody that tells him no. That's just going to end up with a lot of angry people, which is exactly what has happened. Well, he's managed to fracture three governments. Two fleets, the Jedi Order, away from the government. This this force for peace has, of course, been a... He's real great at spreading discord here. What was your favorite moment of Jason Solo in Legacy of the Force Book 8, Revelation? I actually have two. Was it all of his revelations? No, not at all. I actually have two. Let me go first, because I'm going to steal it. All right. When he crash landed and he had to take a few minutes to center himself to get some good Jason Solo jokes going. <laughs> I really liked, like, he was, like, sitting in the cockpit. The The fire suppression foam was, like, baked him into the thing. He's, like, trying to heal his smashed ribs from being crushed against the dashboard by Luke. And he's like, all right, all right, let's not get out of there and snap necks. Deep breaths. Let's be Jason Solo. We're going to get out. We're going to smile. We're going to tell a joke. And we're going to win these people over. <laughs> like, I just really... That's the the genius calculating guy that he should be all the time. Not fly off the handle and, and yeah. throw a dude across the bridge and then snap a neck. Like, he's too early for that. Yeah. But to, like, sit there and, like... All right, I'm not going to kill anybody when I get out of here. I'm just going <laughs> to... Jedi, right? Isn't that crazy? They're bad guys, not me. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was it, fucking brilliant. Next time, take my license away yeah. or something like that, whatever he Was says. that one of yours? Did I steal one? Yes. See? I told you I've done this before. S- same battle when he uses his Jedi tricks Yeah. to, to get the shields down. Yeah. That yeah. was also super badass, and I like that. It's really well written, like well described. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I think I found that most of most of my favorite things have been the ones that have been the best written and the most uh, most descriptive. Yeah, for sure. Rather yeah. than, oh, that was kind of cool. Now, what could that have looked like in my head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I, especially when it comes to like using a force power or something, I don't need it left up to my imagination. Explain to me what's happening. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. I want to know how the force works. <laughs> you know, I guess really that's what it comes down to. I want to know how this invisible fake force works in real life. But that was it, man. That was Revelation. Karen Travis, Legacy of the Force, book eight. I thought it was a good book, man. It was a great book. Like like we said here, 
sitting down to pick it all apart at once, some parts of it feel hollow. And maybe that's just, you know, it was better in the moment. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It felt, it felt developmental when I was reading it. Mm-hmm. It felt like Jaina was moving, doing things. Yeah. And then it, when I sat down, I was like, what the fuck did she actually It, sounded, it did feel a lot more concrete in the moment than yeah. it was when we were sitting here and we're like, wow, that's never mind. That's, that's a lot of pretty porous there actually yeah, for real. But either way, that's revelation. That's the, uh, the book. general story. Our main character highlights. And now we move on. I brought mine this time. I knew we would get here, but I didn't think we would ever get here. <laughs> you know? Well, it's been a long time coming since we started this podcast back on September 23rd or 4th of 2018, about a yeah, year and a 20, bit ago. 23rd. Yeah. And now we have finally come. We've kept up with it this whole time. That's the most impressive thing. Yeah. Like, for real. Uh, to get to the last book in the series of nine 400-ish page books, Legacy of the Force, book nine, Invincible. Troy Denning's third and, of course, final book of the series, released May 13th, 2008. That's my mom's birthday. Huh. Not 2008, but May 13th. I mean, it was her birthday that year also. <laughs> But happy uh, belated forty fifth birthday in the past to my mom. <laughs> Comes around every year. Yeah, isn't that the same time every year? Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday again. <laughs> now let's talk about this front cover, as we have already alluded to it. Yeah. We have two lightsabers lit, two action poses in the middle of what seems to be an intense fight. Jaina Solo. Hair flying behind her in an all-black jumpsuit with her purple lightsaber. Thrusting down towards a beautiful mane of hair on Darth Kytus. <laughs> yeah. All you can really see is the back of his head and his red lightsaber. But his hair looks great. And I really love the... Um, it's this part of like the you know the nice realism element of it is the the light being cast on them. Mm-hmm. Like she's got a nice shade of purple all up the side of her. He's got and she's got red on her leg over on the side of. Mm-hmm. Her, uh, this cover is fucking beautiful. I should have looked up who did the cover art. God damn it! I should have done that nine times now. Sorry, everybody who did the cover art. It's amazing. The cover art. Well, how about great. this? I'll, I'll I'll get that ready for the full series review. <laughs> we'll talk about all the covers and we'll talk about all the ah. cover art. Jacket illustrations, Jason Felix. Jason Felix, well done. This is this is a lot what I want Jaina to look like. You know, like she's got like the thin Leia face and nose. She's got the big Han Solo mouth. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah. You know, reading these books, even as many of them as we have read, with as many covers as we've looked at, how many times have you seen Jaina on a cover? thrice i think she's on a dark nest she's on this one and i know she's on an njo yeah she's not on very but many like, well nobody is really right jason's got he's on two and a half the back of his head here but he's <laughs> he, this is his book series he's only on two covers i, I this 
picture obviously leads us to assume that we're setting up for a Jaina versus Jason lightsaber battle here, heading into Invincible, wow. which all of Revelation had been training us for. That's what exactly what Jaina was getting ready for. Yep. Getting ready to kill a Jedi. And so mental training. Here they are battling each other on the cover. Which again tells me that she should have been in way more pages across these eight books. But the back of the book, we have the hard covers here. I don't know what the soft cover says. But I'll read the uh the back quote and the uh, the inside pocket there inside jacket's pretty long but the back says uh it's the finale you got to read it yeah the back of the book i will the back of the book says i name you the sword of the jedi always you shall be in the front rank a burning brand to your enemies a brilliant fire to your friends once mysterious prophecy luke skywalker's words have become truth but can even the sword of the jedi bring down one of the most powerful sith lords of all time inside jacket (laughs) no war can last forever now in the long and punishing battle between the defiant champions of the new jedi order and the juggernaut that is the galactic alliance the end game is finally at hand with so much lost and nothing less than the course of the future still at stake there can be no turning back no matter the consequences the rebel cause is losing ground under the twin blows of Admiral Gilad Pelion's assassination and the death of Mara Jade Skywalker. At the same time, having gained the support of the Imperial Remnant and its ruthlessly efficient forces, the Galactic Alliance, with the extraordinary power and dark brilliance of newly ascendant Sith Lord Darth Cadus at its helm, may be unstoppable. Tormented and torn between the call of duty and the thirst for vengeance, Luke has searched the force and beheld an unspeakable vision of the galaxy enslaved under tyranny more monstrous than even Palpatine's. Now it seems that the last best hope lies in mobilizing the scattered Jedi for one decisive search and destroy mission. The objective, eliminate Darth Kydus. It's a plan that will be as difficult and dangerous to execute as it is daring. For Kytus is a scion of both the Skywalker and Solo bloodlines, whose command of the Force surpasses even that of his grandfather, Darth Vader. There is only one who is bound by destiny to stand against him in what will surely be a duel to the death. Only one with an outside chance of bringing down the Dark Lord who was once Jason Solo. Failure is not an option. The furious final moments between power and peace are here, And whoever confronts Darth Kytus will decide the outcome and the fate of those left standing. I got hot reading that. (laughs) Now, obviously, that inside jacket is meant to be a full series summary Mm -hmm. for someone picking up this book, having not read any of the other ones. Right. We go all the way from from top to bottom here, calling calling the what the hell did that say i said rebels at one point yes the rebel cause is losing ground under the twin blows of pelion's assassination and the death of rebel cause trying real hard to sell this to people who haven't read the books yeah that's all fine and that's okay now 
most of that, or not most of that, a big chunk of that in the third section there tells us fate has ordained. These two twins will fight to the death. Mm-hmm. Only Jaina can stop her brother, Jason. And then at the end, it says, whoever faces Darth Kytus will have the power to blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Look at the fucking cover. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't actually read that inside part without the cover on it. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yun Yamka and Yun Harla are yeah. showing down. I might have got the first one right or wrong, but I am satisfied enough. The, the second one was definitely right. <laughs> The two twin gods of the Yuzhan Vong, who aren't even from this fucking universe, galaxy, are set to balance the fate of the galaxy between their lightsaber blades in a battle of long lost twins. I couldn't think you were of searching for something. I, I wanted, I was like despondent, disconnected, dis, dis something. Anyhow, email me if you figure that word out forever can podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. But we're set up for a showdown between Jaina and Jason solo. And as we've complained about subtly <laughs> throughout all the books, I don't know what you're about to say, but it probably wasn't that subtle. Just jump back through each character uh, review of Jaina Solo at the end of every book where I bitch about how she's not in the fucking (laughs) Not that subtle. Here she is on the cover, set up to battle her brother, as was set up in the New Jedi Order like three years before these books or two or something like that. Yeah, with the prophecy. If you ultimately knew you were going to fulfill that prophecy and pay it off, and maybe you don't know that while you're writing the first couple, mm-hmm. I'll give you a three, maybe four, before you know the ending, right? Yeah. But where is she for the last four books? She's only in this one. She's only in Revelation, in book eight. Well, she's probably got a big part in this one. <laughs> I wouldn't fucking be surprised if she didn't, dude. Just <laughs> she just comes pop, in at the end. She pops in for a couple pages at the end to battle her brother and see what happens. But nonetheless, like, like I said, man, this thread between the two of them is exactly that—a far-stretched, thin thread. Which I guess is the point of, you know, siblings who are have lost contact with each other siblings who don't understand each other siblings who have grown into different stages of their lives and siblings who don't talk to each other agree with each other but at the same time you can spend parts of every book having Jaina think about positive or negatively like whether however it affects her emotionally mm-hmm that's up to the writer. But you can have parts of each book where she is explicitly more often thinking about her brother and how, like, maybe she's shocked or how just How they got to where they are. Feels. Like, no, you only get that in the prologue of book eight here. Yeah. Where she's like, Jason never used to be like this. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then you'll see as we go through book nine, 
each chapter starts with a Jason Solo joke from the Young Jedi Adventures, like their their kids books. Yeah, and he took Troy Denning took excerpts out of all the kids books, and uh, they had good jokes in there. So yeah. I think a couple of them are are fresh written jokes or something. But all this time, it's been Luke had a vision. Luke did nothing. Jason was taking Ben away from Luke. Mara was tracking Jason. Jason killed Mara. Han and Leia haven't been around. Jaina hasn't been around. Yeah. They really, they wouldn't, you wouldn't even have to have Jaina to have these, like. They don't need to be present together. No, and even if they, even if she wasn't, like, actively getting those little scenes of her thinking about what's going on or anything like that. If she was even involved in some way, shape, or form in the actual, like, where Jason is and what he's doing, like, with the combat or even just in the peripheral around that kind of thing. she There there were two easy ways for her to be involved more directly in Jason's actions. Number one, the Jedi Order. Number mm-hmm. two, the military. She was removed from both those groups pretty early on. Yep. And sent... To float in the nothing. To to do nothing most of the time. Yeah. What did she do? All these books. I, I can picture her on Terraphon with Zek fighting YVH droids. I can picture her on Corellia with Zek fighting YVH droids. Mm-hmm. I can picture her flying at... Borlaeus, what was the one where the, there was like skyscrapers and they flew under them? And I don't remember what planet it was. Bill Bringy, maybe when they were doing that recovery mission. Yeah, it was one of the, whatever, of one of the other Jedi's early, early on. But and when Alema died, she was there. Yeah, and then that's what that was the next thing I was gonna say. They went, her and Jag and Zach went to Lumaya's cavern after Lumaya was dead. But just think about like all the main action of these books along the way. It all should be contrasted, Jason, uh, not versus, but yeah, I guess. It should all be contrasted, Jason versus Jaina, in all of these major moments. Kashyyyk being lit on fire. Kidnapping a a child. You know? Yeah. Becoming chief of state. She doesn't uh, comment on the fact that her brother is president of the galaxy. No. No, she doesn't. What? Yeah, no, it should definitely, especially like, if they were, if they were just, they were best friends and twins all and their twins. life, attached to the That's hip what I'm all their life until the darkness. It would be not until the not excusable, War. but a little more excusable if Understand, it was like more understandable. Anakin and Jaina, <laughs> yeah, right? Like if, they're not twins. They're not they're twins. Not best friends. They, they're not even. They're like a half a generation apart. Even yeah, yeah. I get, I get that. Like, yeah, maybe. But, but even this no. is just like, is is that the cheap way of, of book eight being like, hey, your family is family, clean up your own mess. Uh, the cheap way of, of saying, you've been ignoring your brother all this time, Jaina. And that's what she's been doing. Because again, if she's actively ignoring a problem, I want that in her fucking subconscious text. Yeah. Just like Jason actively ignoring missing his daughter being re-kidnapped, that needs to be said more. 
mm-hmm. if she's actively ignoring her brother becoming a fucking galactic monster, that needs to be said more. Yeah. It the first four books she's in is all boyfriend talk. And yeah. <laughs> fuck all that. Yeah, we hated that. And now she here here she is on the cover of book nine. Action shot, lunging a lightsaber towards her brother's face. And he looks ill-prepared to defend this. His <laughs> lightsaber is fully extended, two-handed, awkward wrist out of the wrong angle. Yeah. Opposite side of his body. But it's all super speed Jedi right? thing, exactly. maybe. He's going to he's gonna just point the tip a different direction and clip her leg or spin her lightsaber away. Hmm. <laughs> but either way, it looks silly. We've run lightsaber fights before. Yes, we have. <laughs> but... I'm really disappointed with how much she's not in all the other books Mm -hmm. and how much book eight was more about Boba Fett than about Jaina. She got, she got the like superfluous trickle down emotional baggage growth. Yeah. You know, like she just got the residue of whatever fucking peeled off of his skin. Yeah, because she was watching, (laughs) (laughs) she was watching him go through it and learning and commenting on his on what he was learning on his experience yeah and occasionally applying it to her own life yeah not not applying it through action applying it through thought only mhm which then begs the question i swear to god am i going to open this fucking book up and she's going to be like maybe i shouldn't kill my brother it would actually be okay this time because at the end of the last book it was explicitly put out there, right? Yes. Yeah, it was. Much like I'm said. saying, you have to explicitly say she's ignoring her brother because it's too painful to deal with. You have to explicitly say he's ignoring his daughter because it's too painful to deal with. But you know what I mean? We cannot. We cannot do that again. No. We've had Luke Skywalker twice decide he's going to kill Jason. And then not. And then back away, yeah. For various reasons. Yeah. We've even had him back away from capturing Jason. He walked away from Jason on the fucking floor. He could have captured him there. He could have been like, hey, Ben, go outside. Or just, what, force tie his hands together. (laughs) And then force tie up Jason and carry them both away. He could have done that. He definitely could have. Maybe not after a, a tough battle like that, but five, ten minutes. You just leave him on. The, anyways. Anyways. This book is not about Luke Skywalker. This series is not about Luke Skywalker. No. It's about Jason and Jaina Solo. Yun Harla and maybe Yun Yamka. And I probably should have looked that up before I said it twice. But I... Have that kind of commitment. It sounds right. It sounds pretty. Yeah, see, if you would have committed to killing your brother, you would have just done it. You you, you, you commit. You, you know me, yeah. You commit. I I do. <laughs> I make up my mind and it's over. <laughs> yeah. To positive or negative benefit. <laughs> you deal with the consequences after. Much like we are here now in book nine. Yeah. Ready to deal with all the consequences of all the... Mistakes that everybody's had to run away from all series long. There's nowhere left to run. Jason's at home at Coruscant and he's got all his little Kevin McAllister traps already set up. Mm -hmm. 
But I'll ask the same question I ask of every title. What is Invincible going to mean? I mean, pretty pretty clearly, there's two people on the cover. The word Invincible, they can't both win this fight. <laughs> no. If this is the fight, you know what I mean? Like, if this is going to be... Because in the, in the end of the jacket, even, they're like, whoever it is that fights it might be... Da, da, da. We know mm-hmm. We're saying it's Jaina, but it might... We're putting her on the cover, but it might be a fucking red herring. You know, and maybe it is Luke Skywalker, and this is just like a, a, a fight where they... I don't know, weaken him or something, trying to capture him, and then later they get him. But this looks intense. It Who's going to be invincible? What What is going to be invincible? How is going to be invincible? How? <laughs> you know, like, is it going to be Jaina? Or is it going to be Jason? Find out next week when we cover chapters one through four. Of Legacy of the Force, book nine, Invincible. I want to read it right now. Me too. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. In, 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 Invincible Kytus guy. <laughs> oh, jeez. You don't like that? <laughs> I'm not sure. Me either. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Cannon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.